Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popshow podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash All right, let's do it, Stuart. Very good. I just came up with that. Thank you for uh, stealing that joke from me. <laughs> Richard, God, you can't say one thing off off pod with you or else you'll be like, I'm stealing that. Yeah. I'll save that for later. Yeah. You're a little little high, little ho, Richard. That's what you are. <laughs> well, I'm a little hey, little ho. So... <laughs> We're talking today on the Carl Popshire podcast, which is the podcast you are listening to. Correct. I am one of your two hosts for this episode. My name is Richard, and I am mm. joined by someone who goes by the name AJ. Yes, and this is a sub-series within that yes, podcast. Yes, I was getting to that, yep. and it's called Film Franchise Fortnights, and this <laughs> is one episode of that subset <laughs> that's part of that show. This episode is called the Stuart little trilogy and because and what do we, we usually because do? we usually yeah. cover okay. groups of films we label mm. franchises mm. and today with specifically we are today's covering, no different yeah, usually we do that and we're still doing that <laughs> what richard and i are doing right now is a bit where it's two guys with amnesia <laughs> <laughs> trying to remind each other of what we're doing <laughs> So, yeah, we're today yeah, on Film Franchise Fortnite's we are covering the Stuart Little Trilogy of films. That's right, Trilogy. I, I mm. shocked a few people at work today uh, by informing them that there is a third Stuart Little movie. Most people are familiar with the two live-action ones, which came out in 1999 and 2002. Uh, Stuart Little and Stuart Little 2. And then three years later, we had Stuart Little 3, Call of the Wild, which was animated and direct-to-video. All three films star Michael J. Fox as the titular Stuart Little, who's a little mouse. And I say mm-hmm. little, not just in that he's small in stature, but that is in fact the last, the surname of the character. Correct. Yep. Stuart Little, the mouse. I feel like um, Stuart, it should be called Stuart Little, the mouse. <laughs> I feel like this is a franchise that uh, has been a long time coming, to be honest with you. I think that it's 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 one that I think makes people giggle when they check their podcast feeds and see that there's a, what, probably 90-minute episode talking about these movies. I think this is the type of shit people live for. Stuart Little, here we are. The cult popsha men. We're 30 now. <laughs> We are not little ourselves. We're all grown up. Yeah, well, and the we're cult here. Big pop show. The cult bigs. <laughs> cult big pop show. You know, because mm. we're covering Stuart Little. We're here <laughs> get it? To, to, to get it? Do you get the joke? We're here to talk about 
you know, movies made for nine-year-olds. Three of them. Mm. Three movies made for nine-year-olds. And we're going to take it so seriously. We're going to be using everyone's characters' names and not the actors' names. We're not going to say, oh, Dr. House and uh, Thelma or Louise are married and have (laughs) have a mouse for a baby. (laughs) Thelma or Louise. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you which one was which. Do you want to know which one's which? No, I never want to know. Well, well, now that that you've said that, I'm going to... Gonna Ruin fucking tell you. Uh, I I like to think that her name is Thelma or Louise. Yeah, well, I mean, should should have the correct first name in that case because she plays oh. Thelma. Oh, Richard, you didn't need to tell me. Next, you'll tell me the mouse isn't real. <laughs> I I know the CGI is very very realistic, but no, <laughs> the mouse is not real. But anyway, so this film came out in 1999. Uh, it's directed by a guy called Rob Minkoff. Are you familiar with that name? Uh, it sounds like the name we've heard before on the show. Uh, so he's directed a couple of things. I don't think anything we've covered, but oh, he's uh, uh, his other the film he made after the Two Stuart Little. He made The Haunted Mansion, two thousand three. Oh, uh, yes. Mister Peabody and Sherman. <laughs> okay. He also directed just last year, Pause of Fury: The Legend of Hank. But he's. Oh! Perhaps most well-known for his first film that he directed, uh, The Lion King. <laughs> That's where I've heard that. <laughs> the fucking Lion King. Wow, is this the... This is like... I feel like this is one of the bigger fall from graces in Hollywood. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, he was a co-director on that with right. Roger Ellis. What's who's gone on to do? Who, who went on to make Open Season? I could care less about the director for this film, Richard. Next oh, thing so you're you gonna, do care gonna, a bit then. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, next thing you're going to reveal some crazy plot twist over who wrote the film yeah. <laughs> so sorry i'm so, so such a stupid i couldn't figure out the segue properly but that's what i came up yeah so it, it, there's a lot of things about like Stuart little that would be like oh well actually there's this like secret little thing but they're, they're quite well known now but yeah yeah, yeah. uh m night Shyamalan wrote <laughs> Stuart little like hot off the heels of the sixth sense <laughs> Like you just you just can't see any of him in this, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the I I couldn't point to something in this film and be like, yeah, that's classic Shyamalan. Like that's this was this you know this is so indicative of the Shyamalan touch. I guess there's a twist. I guess mm. maybe that's the part that he wrote. But he's one of two screenwriters. It's not like he like did a pass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Uh, Greg Brooker is an American screenwriter, best known for co-writing the screenplay of Stuart Little with M. Night Shyamalan. God, imagine that being your yeah. claim to fame. He he also did the story for Christopher Robin. That's the only thing he's written, the only other thing See, he's the, written. The, the real tragic thing here is you tell people, I wrote Stuart Little with M. Night Shyamalan. And the reaction is, I can't believe M. Night Shyamalan wrote Stuart Little. The reaction is not, I can't believe you wrote Stuart Little. Yeah, like, yeah. They're fine with that. It's, I, I, I am ready to believe that one per- <laughs> that someone with one other writing credit for Christopher Robin, 20 years later. Hey, hey now, 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 let's cut. We're, this is not an especially poorly written, maybe we're being too harsh on the old mouse. Maybe maybe we need to be a bit kinder to the, the screenplay written by the this auteur of cinema and mm. then the um the other guy <laughs> <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> M. Night someone. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I just so yeah. So what little about? <laughs> so like the same year that he was nominated for best director and best original screenplay, his like if it was if it was, if it was the, the way the Oscars originally were, where people were nominated for their body of work in an entire mm. year, his mm. his sole Academy Award nominations would have been. Best Director, Sixth Sense, and Best Original Screenplay. Oh, mm. that's not original, actually. Best Screenplay, The Sixth Sense, and Stuart Little. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is Stuart Little about, AJ? Richard, this movie is about a family named The Littles. Mm. Uh, Frederick Little, Elena Little, Eleanor Little, Eleanor, and their young son... Uh, kid from Jerry Maguire, or as I always knew him, Jonathan Lipnick. I saw this. I saw this movie, and like like Mike and shit. I saw all these. And movies you were like, like, I want to be him. No, no, but I saw them like way before I ever saw Jerry Maguire. So by the time people were making kid from Jerry Maguire jokes, mm. I was like, you mean Jonathan Lipnicky from Little Vampires? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're they're adopting a, a baby brother. And they go to the adoption zoo, whatever's going the on. The adoption yeah. zoo. We'll get well, to Well, I the, mean, like, it's not just humans, well, is okay, it? Okay, <laughs> yeah, do it, like, finish the synopsis and then we can get into all the, like, fucking talking points about, imagine being one of the other orphans and they pick Have a fucking mouse. Have we about the implications of Pixar's Cars universe? I'm going to make a TikTok about how there was a car, Hitler. All right, yeah, so. Or how the, the what's-her-face <laughs> Sally, like, shits all over lightning mcqueen because there's no mud puddle <laughs> have you seen that one that one's, that's legitimately more interesting than the car jesus situation yeah. i think so um they go to adopt a baby and while they're there they meet a talking mm-hmm. mouse a talking feminist mouse yeah that's true he's reading little woman which is what makes you a feminist <laughs> um imagine if he was like <laughs> an incel Stuart Little's gonna be an incel when he grows up <laughs> just kidding he's not gonna grow up mice only live for two years um so he he is voiced by the inimitable Michael J Fox mm. <laughs> I defy you to imit 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 him um <laughs> oh, and geez. he's I'm a little mouse. <laughs> <laughs> whoa 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 uh, duck uh, oh jeez uh you tell me you build <laughs> A mouse out of a little boy? <laughs> Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me you built a little red convertible for me to for drive me? around in? <laughs> Best part about Stuart Little. This little red car. This little it's, fucking red this car. This is our yeah, uh, top useless, useless statistics. This is our yes. second franchise in a row in which Michael J. Fox drives an iconic vehicle yes our second michael j fox franchise in a row in which he ends up in a facsimile of the wild west and has to pretend to be a cowboy (laughs) (laughs) while a a white-haired mentor character is also involved Uh, in this case the cat So they they meet this little feminist mouse and he's like talking up all these kids. He's like, oh, that kid over there, fastest kid in the school. And it's like, okay, that's probably not something a parent yeah. cares about. I want a nice um, slow kid. 
Mm. Mm, yeah. And so they're like, well, you seem the, like the first person we've talked to here. Why don't we just adopt you? Um, and the the adoption lady is like, oh, we don't really recommend people adopting outside their own species. And look, I get it's a silly logic. I get it. Mm. The movie takes place in a dream world. But the implications here are that some animals are sentient and have human intelligence and mm. can be adopted. Look, we'll get into it later. So they adopt Stuart and they say, right, now you're Stuart Little. And they bring him home. George could not be fucked with like <laughs> this bullshit. And you know what? Fair enough. You think, like, it must be like an emotional... It's quite an emotional journey to know you're coming home from school that day and you'll have a new member of your family. And yeah. to come home from school to see you've got one of the like most uh, low-maintenance pets you can get mm. would be a bummer. I'm with George. Um, and so a lot of the movie is Stuart Little trying to win the approval of George. He he expresses to his parents that he feels like something's missing and kind of wants to meet his original parents. Um, and meanwhile, Snowbell the cat is humiliated, voiced by Nathan Lane, best performance in the film. Mm. Um, and he's like, I can't believe I've I'm a uh, this I'm a pet a mouse's pet basically. Uh, so yeah, he goes the to the mouse of the pet cat. Yep, so he goes to the Cat Mafia, Richard. The Cat Mafia. <laughs> and they organise... Which is classic Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find this out till later. I'm telling you it in reverse. Um, but it turns out that the cats actually hire a couple of mice to pose as his parents and come pick him up. And then when the, the cat gets out of the bag, so to speak, they decide, all right, we're going to kill them instead. Snowball changes sides and they save... It's a very unfocused story. I can't mm. believe Shyamalan wrote this. Um, <laughs> and they, they save the day and everything's like, the cats fall into the ocean. I mean, the lake, the river. They fall into, <laughs> what's what's the big fucking park called? Central Park. In New York? Central Park. They fall into a river in Central Park and drown. No, they don't drown. But um, And so Stuart Little's made a friend in George and a friend in Snowbell. Um, and it ends with them having a little dance party as the credits roll, as was the way in two. Yeah, that was. Well, this is nineteen ninety nine. So, AJ, look, it's not Rob Minkin's best work. I'll start there. It's not <laughs> yeah. his best work. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I reckon this has forty seven percent. You are twenty Tomatoes. off. Sixty seven. That's sixty seven percent. Wow. And uh, it's wow. earned every single one of those percents, I think. <laughs> so, AJ, there's been a lot of... Stuart Little's copped a lot of flack in recent years. There was a Facebook meme page called <laughs> I Hate so Stuart legend. Little. And then, and like, one bl- of the first... Whenever there was, like, a global tragedy, it would blame it on Stuart <laughs> Yeah. And so there would be, like... the, the One of the first posts was, like, this is not a joke. I hate that fucking mouse. And so it just became... And then people caught on to that and it was like it just became this thing to hate Stuart Little and yeah it's an interesting like it's one of these films that's lived on in, in memehood and like everyone remembers Stuart Little and just thinks like the weird implications of that movie but what do you understand the rules of the world to be because like like you said there is the line where uh Julia Sweeney's character who's the adoption lady says like we don't recommend cross-species adoption and so it's it's 
somewhat implied that like I, I don't know like Stuart is has broken out of the mouse adoption part but like and no one seems to be surprised that the mouse can talk like John, uh, Jonathan Lipnicki yeah. doesn't get home and think holy shit a talking mouse he thinks oh I got an inferior race as a brother and look I'm sorry but yeah, you did. <laughs> like, like the one of the things that I think is so interesting about this whole series is that uh, a running theme through all three films is um, Mrs. Little being too protective over Stuart. Mm. You know, she doesn't want him to do anything. She doesn't want him to join the school soccer team. She doesn't want him to to join the Rangers. She doesn't. You know, she's like he's going to get hurt. And and Mr. Little is always like, oh, listen, babe, babe. Boys have got to be boys. Mm. You, we've got to let him play football. We've got to, and it's like, no, she is right. Um, if you put him on the field, he could get trampled and die. <laughs> uh, the cat tries to eat him, which is something they should have seen coming. So, just, <laughs> yeah. so like they they live in a presume. Let's okay. Let's 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 follow the logic of this world to its most generous endpoint. Yeah. Right. Let's say this is a world in which some animals can talk oh, yeah. and behave like humans not all of them mm, uh, but of them. some of them right this movie p- proposes that if this was the case there are no like uh precautions or there's Chips no like balances yeah there's no there's no there's no like equivalent to like um i hope this isn't problematic thing to say but i feel like there's a bit of this movie that's an allegory for maybe like someone who's maybe like disabled or a wheelchair user and it's like they can still do these things and in real life that is absolutely true but we are talking about a two inch high mouse Mm. where just the practical realities of the world he's living in mean that they probably shouldn't let him play football i'll say it they probably shouldn't have adopted him they don't have mm. the the like they put him in a gigantic bed at the start ridiculous yeah. well, ridiculous aj this might uh, satisfy you a little bit uh, with some of your issues so th- this as we know this is based on a book by eb white and mm. interestingly yeah, there's just the one book um which yeah came out uh, like call, 19- call of the wild wasn't based on a early 19th century book uh, we will get to that aj you okay. Fuck. Okay. So it came out yeah, 19 Seriously? 19, I don't know what I'm talking about. Please don't think I'm spoiling anything. 1945. Uh would it would it Early surprise 20th you century just to cl- clarify. Would it surprise you to learn and it might not because I know you've had access to this information already. Uh but in the book, Stuart Little is not a mouse. Mm. No, he's a, it's it's a it's a treachery of images situation. Uh <laughs> not it's, it's not like a humpty dumpty thing. Where it's just no, like he's just always no. it's it's that he is the biological son of Mr. and Mrs. Little. He just mm. happens to not grow past two inches tall and also looks identical to a mouse. And also looks identical to a mouse, which means that's why I said treachery of images is that the book version of Stuart Little is not a mouse. He is a little boy that looks exactly like a mouse. <laughs> Therefore, you know, philosophically, Richard. What is a mouse? <laughs> what, is anything? <laughs> yeah. what is anything if not what it looks like? Do you know about there's no such thing as a fish? Yes. Do you know about this? Yeah. So, like, for those that don't know, a fish is not a species. It is just 
a the thing that's that biologists call any animal that lives in the ocean mm. because like a trout is not related to a salmon they, yeah. that's just what things look like when they evolve underwater yeah. and it's it's one of these situations almost where it's like well there's if he's no not actually a mouse. a mouse there's no such thing as this is as anything if yeah. a human can be born looking like a mouse as tall as a mouse function as a mouse He's not a mouse, though. He's a human. And maybe that's true. <laughs> who am I to say that no? Who am I to tell him that he is a mouse, you know? Do you know about the the interesting piece of art direction in this film? Uh, well, so the, basically he's supposed to be a human, but he looks like a mouse. <laughs> that was actually just the art direction of the film. No, there was uh, one of the... There's a painting in the, that's used as set dressing in the Littles' home. And... It was a, it was discovered to have been a, a long lost painting, painting considered lost since the 1920s, uh, which a set designer just randomly purchased at like an antique store for 500 bucks, put it in the film. And then in 2009, an art historian was watching the movie on TV with his daughter, noticed the painting and contacted the studio, was able to track down its whereabouts. And uh, in 2014, it was sold for uh, like quarter of a million euro and what was the budget of Stuart little how much did it make at the box office? <laughs> uh Stuart little was uh made 300 million dollars okay Big hit i feel like that that's a really cool story but i i was kind of hoping it was going to be a bit darker like the picture was of like some like horrific event in history that hasn't it was a picture of 9 11 yeah and it hadn't happened yet yeah, and I hate Stuart Little would post about how yeah, it yeah. that Stuart Little did 9-11. So, I mean, generally, like, critics were sort of, you know, generally nice this film, but... About 67% uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so certain people liked it. Mm. You know, it's a it's a Jesus freak hideout said that from start to finish, Stuart Little is a nearly near flawless family film that's quoted on wikipedia <laughs> um although i did find aj that uh, mm. jim from maine who was the yeah. parent of a 4 9 and 13 year old said why use adult language in a kid's film would have given it four stars as it's not a bad film for kids five and up but repeated use of damn and hell as in what the hell Drop it to two stars. Some pe- some sick people make films, just can't help themselves, or stop from using adult they material. Can't twisted. Help themselves. It is twisted. You're right, Jim from Maine, or whatever you oh, yeah. uh, I want to ask you a question. You know, like, like, never mind the like parental abuse that goes on in the mm. film where he's manipulated into thinking these two other mice are like, you know, like he's been through a lot. Never mind that. They said, damn. Yeah. How, what did you think? Like, how were the moments of violence and peril shown in the film? Did they seem necessary to the story or did they seem no, forced no. to make the movie seem more interesting? Forced to make the movie seem more interesting, Richard. And I'm sick and tired of these family movies putting characters in danger. The mouse could have died. And that's that's that makes me. God! Makes me livid! <laughs> Uh, and, and what do you think about how does the film sort of deal with the the idea of adoption and you know how is it similar and different to ways in which other movies and TV shows depict adoption do you think so I know we're doing a joke you're reading from is this common sense media it is common sense media you get three free reviews a month 
<laughs> I decided to use them on Stuart Little one to three. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, I think that. Wait, what was the question again? Oh, adoption. <laughs> I think this this maybe this maybe makes a mockery of adoption. You know? <laughs> like I think that maybe this is not the most sensitive portrayal of adoption. And look, here's here's okay. I've t- I I've talked before about how like my problem with Ratatouille is that in real life no one would be okay with rats running a restaurant, mm. right? And everyone's always like, well, rats also can't talk and you can't control someone by yeah. pulling on their ears. That we know. And I know that this is also the case for Stuart Little. Yeah. That it's, you know, in real life mice can't talk. But everything that's in that bubble of conversation, either, you know, the they adopt a mouse instead of a human. The mouse can talk, but he can talk to the cat, but the humans don't talk to the cat. And he's I want to say before that like he gets put in all these perilous situations mm. and the parents are, at one point in the second one he's just gone missing in new york city yeah. they don't know where he is and the calmness of mr and mrs little compared to what is happening right now mm. is admirable they they do not lose their shit even though their tiny son is lost in one of the biggest most populated cities in the world yeah right? I so I get I get all that is like the answer is because it's a movie and it's silly. But god, it just pisses me off. I can't get past this movie because it's like there's 20% of more explanation of the world building I need to be accepting of the reality of the film. The only reprieve, Richard, the only reprieve I get from this frustration is when he pulls out that little red convertible. I just (laughs) sink into delight. I think it is absolutely charming. He's riding it around school. Oh my god. He can drive? First of all, he can drive. Second of all, the car works. <laughs> it's yeah. not a toy. It just works as a regular car. Um, look, <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> That's just how I feel about Stuart Little. AJ, I want to ask you a question as well. This isn't from Common yeah. Sense Media. This is just just common sense, this really. This is just your common sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, can they understand Snowball? I don't think so. Yeah, because there's a YouTuber that you and I are both big <laughs> fans of named Leo Vader. Yes. Uh, you know, you see me his videos, I watch them. Uh, <laughs> Leo Vader's listening to this right now and is like, oh, <laughs> Richard's making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, he, he is a video, Can They Understand Snowball and Stuart Little. And yeah. kind of, it, it's more a video just about like the all these implication mm, stuff that we've mm. talked about. But the the vibe I get from the snowball thing is that it's like a Stewie Griffin sort of scenario, and mm-hmm. another famously vague yeah, yeah. situation. I was gonna say yeah, like that doesn't couldn't to, be more clear to, to the untrained eye, you know, to 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 <laughs> but to, to a family guy, guy fans, yeah, uh, it's a it's a very different story. But the the the, the my sort of understanding of Stewie. And Snowball. Stewie and Stuart Little? <gasps> Stewie Little! <laughs> Is that... Like, they get the gist of what they say. That, like... You know, to 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 us, the audience, we're hearing Snowball be like, fuck, I want to eat Stuart, that little cunt. And then yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Little are just hearing a cat be like... Meow, which is like, oh, Snowball wants to eat Stuart. 
Hmm. I don't th- like because they're, no, they, look, they they I react think... to Snowball as if he's just as if he's said something, but they're not they're not responding no. to him. They're not having conversations with him. But when right. Snowball expresses something, the littles get that expression. So I think as well, I think a problem in this movie's logic is that it wants to be two things at once. It wants to be a movie where there's a talking mouse and no one finds it weird. Mm. But they also want to be a movie where Broadway celebrity Nathan Lane voices a white fluffy cat. <laughs> From Rob only... Minkoff's last film, The Lion King. <laughs> yeah, true. They only um only the mouse can understand. And I think they can I think it has to be all or nothing. But I will say this that um the uh the <laughs> The, the, I think the Stewie Griffin thing is. I think a a more accurate parallel here is um, Angelica's role in the Rugrats, right. where she is able to communicate with the adults, but she can also commun- She can still speak, baby. She hasn't lost her ability to speak. Right. Baby. So you think she's more like the Angelica? Uh, Snowball is the the Angelica. Snowball is more like an Angelica in that. So you think? No, so it, Stu- you think Stuart, Snowball Stuart's- can? No, Stuart's the Angelica. Stuart's the Angelica. Right, right, right. Because he can speak to the humans, but the cats are still speaking animal. The universal animal language. Mm. They're animal. It's, it's kind of like an Eliza Doolittle thing. It's kind Isn't that interesting? Eliza Thornberry. We didn't make I that... What, yeah, Eliza, oh, Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know you meant... Okay, well, let's put the Doolittle thing aside. I think that's going to make my brain explode. <laughs> we start talking about Dr. Doolittle, right? But let's talk about... We didn't talk about when we did the Rugrats Thornberries episode. Yeah, Eliza both... Doolittle is from, like, Pygmalion. <laughs> the, like, My Fair Lady is Eliza. Okay. So there's, like... So there's five things happening in your brain <laughs> yeah. right now, basically. Um, no, isn't that interesting that the Rugrats has a character who can communicate with babies and humans, and the Thornberries has a character that can communicate with animals and humans? Isn't wow. that interesting? Isn't wow. that? And Dog to Doolittle can can do just it all. talk to fucking anyone, and it's <laughs> yeah. not a secret. Well, because they ADR'd all his dialogue, <laughs> he a, can say anything he wants. That was a Doolittle <laughs> to Robert Downey Jr.'s Doolittle reference. Very nice. This is very good reference. Get slapped in the face by Chris by Will Smith. Wow. It was a Robert Downey Jr.'s Doolittle joke. This is crazy episode. This is this is an energy only a Stuart Little episode could bring. Yeah, well, out. you said something interesting just before we started recording that you feel like you would have been you more You said that excited. you think you're a piece of shit. And- <laughs> uh, that you feel like you would have been more excited to do this franchise years ago. And because when, when we rolled it last week, I was very excited. I thought, oh, oh what, a, what an episode missing from the catalog. No, but you're right. But you that's would kind ra- of what I meant. Right. You, but you it's, would. It was. It's missing from the catalog. You would rather it stay missing. No, as I, I wish we'd done it years ago. When we I were think still it's, good. It's, yeah, I think we've lost our touch. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to move on to Stuart Little Two? I've never been say? more ready to move on to Stuart Little Two in my life. <laughs> well, that's good because this is the first time we're about to. So okay. Stuart Little Two came out to us do again, directed by Rob Minkoff. What do you think this one has on Rotten Tomatoes? 47%. Uh, no, this is one has 81%. Oh my god! What? <laughs> yeah. That's... I thought these were, like, critically 
reviled films. This is very interesting to me. Yeah. Here's my big my big note for Stuart Little too. Mm. Is I think in in the two years between the two films, the three years yes, in between the two years. films, I think that the CGI got more advanced, but I think it is flying too close. But as a society, we got less advanced. <laughs> Fuck I think it is it is flying too close to the sun in this one. And I actually think the actual 3D asset that is Stuart Little looks better in the first one mm. than it does in the second one. I think they're trying to do more with him because of the technolo- technology advancements in the second one. But I think overall, it may- I, am- I am less convinced that the character is in the scene mm. because of that. There's been a lot of talk recently I've seen on Twitter about how people how ballsy it was of peter jackson to make a film called the two towers and release it Mm. in 2002 one year after 9-11 but people Mm. don't give enough credit to how ballsy the climax of Stuart little two about an out of control aircraft is (laughs) well we're getting ahead of ourselves (laughs) should we say what 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 is is Stuart little two about okay so um Stuart, it's Sometime, presumably not that much much time later, because well, he's only going to live three for, years. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to die soon. Jesus, no matter. No wonder they never made a uh, a live action third one. It's because the actor died. <laughs> <laughs> three, it's, no, uh, it's three years after the first film. Oh well, this is a decrepit mouse. <laughs> well, he's not a mouse. He's a human who looks uh, like. A well, mouse. no, in the movie, in the movie, he's adopted, so he is a mouse. Yeah. And how long was he at the adoption center for? Eight years. A couple of years? Yeah. How old is Stuart Little? When you adopt a kid, mm. do you not adopt a baby? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, that's what orphanages are for, isn't it? I guess I guess not. But, like, they, they adopt a mouse who has a deeper voice than their, what, seven-year-old real son. Yeah, well, maybe Sorry, mice, biological just, son. Well, mice just have different vocal cords. Mm, okay, okay. Um, so, he's playing soccer, he's trying to make friends, uh, and he makes a friend in... Margalo, a canary that falls from the sky. Uh, But and he thinks he's in love. He thinks he's gonna. I don't need to make that joke. Um, He thinks. I, I was going to say he wants to fuck the canary. I was going <laughs> to go there. They do make it explicit that he has a crush on her, which I thought was interesting. It would be very easy to just be like, they're friends. But, you know, the last movie taught me that couples can adopt outside of their species so why can't they why can't they fuck have... outside of their species yeah exactly why and that's the soapbox i'm standing on for this episode, <laughs> richard why can't we fuck outside of our species um is it because it's gross or is it because it's a consent issue Gee, i used to ask people this all the time is yeah, it you did aj is it is it an issue is bestiality an issue for you because yes. <laughs> you think it would be gross to put your genitals in another animal's genitals or is it because an animal can't consent and therefore it is not above board what is the worst part which one is more the more the reason why you wouldn't bang an animal <laughs> i would say that even you take out anything societal which mm. includes the consent thing i think there is a biological thing within us mm. that doesn't want to do that Oh, speak for yourself. Um, so he has. Come- <laughs> speak for yourself. I respect a little thing called consent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take anything societal out of it, Richard. Ta- I'll have you know, I every day I hold myself back from fucking a dog. Okay. 
And the reason I don't is because I respect consent, and that's why I don't do that. It's got nothing... The whole biological thing couldn't mean shit to me, okay? I... Anyway, I'm on a I'm on a tangent. I'm on a, I'm on one of my classic tangents. <laughs> if this so, is your first anyway, time listening to the Cole Popsha thing, like AJ does this a lot, and it's always about the same thing, <laughs> and it's always a classic bit. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the 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 turns out that Margalo is a double agent for a Falcon who, who is voiced by <laughs> named um, Falcon. <laughs> His name Falcon and voiced by now alt right <laughs> mouthpiece James Woods, mm. um, who uh, you know we last week we well last franchise we joked about getting Hercules because we'd mentioned Hercules, mm. and then we got the main one of the main voices mm. from Hercules. So Instead there's that little Alan Silvestri Michael J Fox franchise. Alan he Silvestri the did the music. As well. ah, do you think they've ever met? Yes. Do you think Alan Silvestri has like a Do you think Alan Silvestri knows he did the music for Stuart Little (laughs) 2? Do you think he he has a set of tools he uses only for Michael J. Fox movies? Like Mm. he has like a style that he reserves. Like an instrument he only uses for it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's just like the piano. Like something (laughs) real basic. Um, So... So, um, yeah, Stuart's being fucking played. They The birds, like, steal Mrs. Little's diamond ring, and he goes to, to try and save her because she thinks she's been kidnapped. Um, there's a period of the movie where it's presumed Stuart Little is dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the cat, the snowbell, thinks he's dead. Um, but it turns out everything's okay. He, uh, I think he kills the falcon by driving a plane into it. Uh, and jumps out at the last second, uh, and he makes makes good friends with Margalo, um, and they live happily ever after. Yeah. Did you know that, <laughs> just fun little bit of math for you, that mm. Stuart Little 2 is the exact midpoint in Alan Silvestri's career between Back to the Future, uh, the, you know, that classic theme, and doing portals for Avengers Endgame. See, this would this would be a great um, stat if Stuart Little Two was a significant work in his career. Yeah, <laughs> it's only significant right now for us because we've just done Back to the Future. I'm I'm comfortable saying Portals is like a you know like a big moment in pop mm. culture. Um, you know that's its own milestone, and Back to the Future is obviously its own milestone. He also did the fact- in the same year. I mean, if you wanted to, like, he also did Lilo and Stitch in the same year as Stuart Little too, and made in Manhattan. He did Manhattan. Yeah. Damn, he did Made. Uh, <laughs> nice. Damn, they got Alan for Made. What, what did you think of Stuart Little too? Do you think? Do you think it's like eighty-two percent good? <laughs> I th- this is one of those films that, like, watching it, I was like, holy shit! I saw this in the cinema, and also. I haven't thought about the name Margalo in 20 years. I didn't see this in the cinema, but this was one of the um, poster childs for PSP UMD DVDs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
that. It was Stuart Little in Sp- Stuart Little Two and Spider Man Two were like you would buy your PSP and you'd get one of those mm, along with Depending on how old it. you were. Yeah, and um, Casino Royale was that for PS3. PS yeah, PS3 yeah. Blu-ray was Casino Royale. You'd buy a PS3, you'd get a free copy of uh, Blu-ray of Casino Royale, and I think those are interesting. Um, sort of, you know, like those are those are interesting identities for movies mm. to have. I think what they're used to sell alongside. Uh, yeah, what's the what would you say is like the most recent version of something like that? I mean, Avatar, like the first Avatar with like three D TVs, maybe. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's still quite like. Uh, like what do you reckon? I'm trying to think of like a big film that went to streaming or something like that. Um, like. I guess that would be the modern equivalent. Like you'd like, did any was any movie sold with the PS5? Nah. I guess there was no like leap forward in. Well, that's the thing. It's like, and, and we don't. I mean, home video doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, right. So Good point. Th- that it's like, yeah, it would be something that's like, oh, everyone who has Netflix has seen what is it, Beasts of No Nation, mm. but they haven't. <laughs> no. No. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh. So sure, little two. Um. I think morally fam- it's a pretty pure film, except there's one scene at the end where uh, the mother, Gene of Davis's character, tells Stuart and Jonathan Lipnicki that she's still proud of them, even though they just got caught in a big lie, which uh, infers, you know, that the lying was okay because everything turned out all right. I see. And I didn't like Agre- that. No, well, and, it's uh, disgusting. It's, Mate Diana Rizki, who's the parent of a 16-year-old, agrees with me on that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So the the family understand Margalo. It's worth saying. Yes, it's we're, we're not shown them. Margalo. We're not shown them interacting with the um Falcon. the the Falcon though. But for all we, we know, we do they see them interacting with the Winter Soldier. Do we? <laughs> no. Why did you say that? Because the the show Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, I knew it was in my brain somewhere, but I couldn't quite. And there's another bit where uh, the Falcon tries to kill Snowball, but he's in a bucket and he knocks him to like within an inch of falling off a giant building. And I was just so uncomfortable with that scene. And I was like, I really wish Snowball would get out of the bucket. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets knocked off in the bucket and just survives by it, like Mm. happening to catch onto something. And the thing, it's one of these these situations uh, where like, because the family never see the like heights of peril that these loved ones of theirs are put in, they're yeah. never that upset the whole movie. But if you saw your cat get knocked off a bucket off like the Empire State Building, that would scar you for life. Like that would be one of the most horrific things you'd ever <laughs> experience, you know? But yeah. the cat can't tell them it happened because <laughs> he can't speak to the humans as we've established. Uh, yeah. So one uh, one thing that I found interesting, so I, as I mentioned, the, the climax of the film involves a wayward aircraft that Stuart and Margot, because Margot's had, had a broken wing, so she isn't just great at flying. And they... This this well, she's faking the broken wing. Yeah, true. Yeah, that that this um this aircraft is hurtling. You know, the Falcon rips the top off it so that it's hurtling towards all the onlookers, including the littles, in Central Park. And it's like, oh my god, there's no way out of this. Stuart can't pull up the brake. They're they're not going to be able to fly. But like you're talking about, this is a toy aircraft. With a mouse and a canary who combined maybe weigh 40 grams. That it's like, you just catch the plane. There's, there's no stakes there. Catch yeah. the plane. And That's such a simple thing to do. And then later on, because it's like, 
also, you know, canaries can fly, but you're like, okay, well, I don't want to give, the, I don't want to just assume that uh, <laughs> Margalo's 20 grams can lift mm. Stuart Little's 20 grams. Mm. And but no, then the 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 resolution That's of this how thing they get out. is they is that it happens, and so it's yeah, like yeah. It, it's, it's such a non scene. It's so, the, the tagline yeah. for this movie should have been "You'll believe a bird can fly." <laughs> the the tagline for this film actually is quite good. Tell me, a little goes a long way. That's so good. That's so fucking good. Yeah. That's better. Hear me. That's better than the films themselves. Mm. The, the first film's tagline was, the little family just got bigger. Oh, they're on top of their game with these taglines. What's the third movie's tagline? Come on, <laughs> give me, give me the uh, I'm going to have to go to IMDb because it doesn't have one on the actual poster. Give it to me. Come on. I'm going to guess like, a little help? <laughs> <laughs> a little help, please! <laughs> Stuart's biggest adventure yet. All right. That, that one's not as good, but fitting for a movie hmm. that is not as good. Do you think it's okay to lie to keep a promise, Andrew? Yeah, I think it's actually okay to uh, commit sin. Of course I don't think that's okay, Richard. <laughs> what are you, fucking stupid? You out of your mind? You fuck, of course lying is wrong, you hmm. dipshit. What do you think it would be like to be an, a small animal in the big city? Uh... Perilous. Perilous it'd be. You know, I think I think you may be little, but you're you're going a long way. (laughs) Well do you want to move on to the third film then? I've never in my life wanted to move on to the third Stuart Little film more than I do right now. See a a tight seventy three minutes of some of the most Barbie Diaries esque animation (laughs) you'll ever have to sit through. Um Stuart Little 3, Call of the Wild, 2005. Who directed Minkin Return? No, this was um, Adu Payden. It shows, because that Minkin touch has just vanished. Minkoff. Minkoff. I've been calling him Minkin this whole time. (laughs) This one's like cel-shaded animation. Very early version of this technology. It looks... Yeah, yeah, almost. I guess so. This this walks so Spider-Verse could run. Um, It kind of looks like you've gone to like stuartlittle.com in the early 2000s mm. and there's like a flash game you can play and you're watching the opening cutscene and it just never ends that's what this yeah. movie is uh but they are going to summer like they're going to a cabin for summer mm. um and for some reason the thing that the the little the logical leap that I find the, the the worst one. You know, I can accept the mouse talks. I can accept that they adopt a mouse. I cannot imagine why you would take your cat on your summer vacation. <laughs> Just and no, you you would get someone to look after it. You wouldn't bring the cat. It's ridiculous. Because what happens? Oh, it nearly gets eaten by a mountain lion. And to the movie's credit, yeah. That's probably what would happen if you took your cat out into the wilderness. <laughs> and your mouse son, your fucking son who's a mouse. You're just going to get you're going to you're going to get to the wide open spaces of the American frontier. Take your 2-inch tall mouse son, put him on the ground and go, "Well, yeah, go explore the forest." <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you have a little run around? 
I'm sure we'll see you again. I'm sure this won't be the last time I'll see my mouse son. The last time anyway. I see my mouse son. That's a vegan name for like the the like uh, t- Taylor Sheridan directed <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Little reboot. Yeah, yeah. So um, they go camping, and George could not give a shit. A, jo- a distinctly Jonathan Lip George. Um, sorry, I hope Rivex responds to that and makes up a poster for the last time I well I'll now see you've my asked him to son. yes I probably won't. now you've asked him to so <laughs> Rivex the person that makes the takes what incredible we call posters and, and the best content associated with Cold Pop Show I think <laughs> including the podcast um, yeah including the podcast um yeah so um yeah he there's they go camping Jonathan Lipnicki's uh, is not there George is played by some other young kid which thank God to because to be honest he I'm was thinking terrible. the the Jerry Maguire performance we all know that was a fluke mm. um so uh because he was terrible in Little Vampires um and so they that he's concerned with his game till he sees like a girl he likes um Stuart Little wants to join the Scouts but. They're all like, oh, you're pretty small. You probably shouldn't even be here, to be honest. Mm. Um, and they there's a beast. There's a beast that the other animals know about. There's a skunk named Rico, voiced by Wayne Brady, who makes friends with Stuart Little. Uh, and in sort of a shocking uh, display of like uh, the movie flying, again, too close to the sun, but this time in terms of its own uh, logic, universal logic, uh, the mouse has dinner with the Littles, in which, again, they don't... The skunk. They're not shown... The skunk does. Yeah, does that what I said? You said mouse. So I said, oh, the skunk does. The skunk is invited round for dinner, where, again, it is very unclear if the family are able to understand. And this is when they're having dinner with the skunk. Yeah. It's very unclear. Anyway, uh, they uh, the, the last part of the movie actually went by on, you could almost say, like... 1.5 speed it felt like in a lot of ways it was a very interesting creative choice from the director mm, it felt slowed down for me no 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 i thought it was very quick and they defeat the beast who's a mountain lion that's essentially like bogarting all the food in the forest mm. um and everyone's like oh look there was a dangerous animal that could have very easily attacked our son and also the humans that live around mm. here thank god we've got a friend who can do a big fart Yes, that's right. That's what happens. The mouse. <laughs> G- G- Gina Davis. <laughs> uh, so you hadn't seen the Swamp film before? No, I had not seen this one before. I knew it existed for a long time. So th- th- I was going reckon- to mention this. that like One thing that I, I like about our relationship and our mutual respect for each other is that I would never condescend to think that I could teach you that there is a third Stuart Little movie yeah well, you and i yeah. both know we entered this friendship knowing yeah. the other person would already know that there is an animated third Stuart. Little yeah film. i don't think we've ever surprised each other with an obscure sequel mm. not once and i i surprise everyone else i know yeah with, with obscure sequels yeah uh what did you think of this one i thought it was, it was uh, really really bad yeah. like really bad and i was like well at least nathan lane's back got to the credits it's just a guy doing a nathan lane impression wow it's not nathan lane kevin sean yeah well he's he sound exactly as the voice yeah of... yeah yeah and oh, steve he, zan he, is kevin... not back as as, yeah, yeah. as monty 
Uh, Kevin My Sean. My favourite actor, Steve Zahn. An American voice actor. Uh, best known as a voice double for Nathan Lane in animated media, most notably as Timon in the Timon and Pumbaa series. Yeah, right. It's it's a pretty fucking spot on yeah. impression. It's not like Dan Castellaneta's Robin Williams in which you can kind of tell. Yeah, and it's just a different character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also that. Uh, so... That's fascinating. Yeah, I thought this this was really bad. I thought it looked like garbage. I thought uh, a career low point for Michael J. Fox, Gina Davis, and Hugh Laurie. I <laughs> yeah. Like, gotta be like... And for Michael J. Fox, he's like just, you know... He's he's facing a future where he's not going to be able to do his passion for much longer. Yeah. And then he does this. Oh, my God. It's so sad and depressing. Well, yeah, it's like he'd already been diagnosed with Parkinson. He was diagnosed in 1991, so it's like... Mm. yeah i mean he 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 entered the Stuart little franchise knowing that crazy Mm. Mm. yeah um do you have anything else you wanted to say about it yeah i mean i've got i've got a few things um is there any sort of like common sense things that uh, you thought you might have to say about it and this is just you know a chance to give good what do you like what should you do if you get lost whether it's in the forest or a more urban setting you should befriend a skunk and then bring him home Hmm. I think this movie actually made the right decision. Yeah. How does the friendship between Stuart and Rico change and get better during the movie? What do they do and how do they behave when it's obvious they haven't yet fit in with those around them? Yeah, for sure. And it's a little awkward for them after they have sex for the first time, but I think once they work out that it was just like a one-time thing when they were getting to know each other, uh, after that, it's it's a lot more natural for them. Uh, and like This one is a common sense thing, but it is also kind of a interesting thing. but that uh, what does the movie teach about enjoying nature and living in the moment instead of playing video games and staring at screens all day that i feel like this is kind of ahead of its time with that message about like mm. being addicted to a portable device because it's like i mean i guess like the game boy's been around since like 1989 but I, I i don't remember anything from the 90s which was like oh my god even though we're in this beautiful nature you can't stop looking at your portable device whereas now it's like yeah that's yeah i think you know it's, it's a very common thing about you know we we don't take uh take in nature enough and we just look at our phones well i don't think it's common i think it's now past it i think it's now like if i see that message in something i roll my eyes well it's just like, like yeah, it's, right. it's, it's this such, is, this just is such an early example life, yeah. of it yeah, because George, of course, is obsessed with his video game. Like, it's like, yeah, of course I'm looking at my phone. Although, one, the one line that I'm, I'm glad I remember, when she's <laughs> his love interest, she, like, he, he's on it, he's looking at his Game Boy, and she goes, <laughs> she goes, look up once in a while. The resolution's a lot better. And he looks up and goes, wow, look at all the pixels. And it's like, this is not the medium to have that joke because the yeah, resolution right. An animated is not movie yeah. with terrible graphics that's so true dude <laughs> holy shit that's great that's great thank you richard i would like to talk about titles mm. which we talk about sometimes on this podcast and i think that stuart the stuart little movies should be called something else do you want to know what i think they should be called the mouse who wasn't there the mouse who wasn't there Rivet. that's exactly what i was gonna say i think it should be called stuart little colon a mouse tail but tail <laughs> is spelled t-a-l-e <laughs> because why would it be spelled t-a-i-l well because it's, it's so like iconic. Plenty, well because but plenty of animals have tails <laughs> plenty of animals have ears 
I didn't say yes. Did I say yes? <laughs> Damn, hoisted by my own petard. Ha <laughs> 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 I got you. Uh, How many mouse franchises have we covered? Is this just the second one? Uh, the, well, there's it's, we haven't covered it, but there's the film Mouse Hunt in which Nathan Lane Nathan portrays Lane. a character hunting a mouse. Do you want to know my connection to Mouse Hunt, Richard? You've watched it? It was the, I reckon <laughs> Mouse Hunt was the second movie I ever saw in cinemas. Wow. After... The first the first was Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. You certainly didn't flub that movie-going decision. <laughs> Thank you. Four-year-old AJ would be very glad to hear that. <laughs> Alright, there's a, a segment we... It's not really an official segment, but it's something we've done a few times now, mm-hmm. where uh, we turn to our favourite... Uh, pasty white goth bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, you can't uh, say that. Rachel, I said, how would you like to be credited? <laughs> okay. And Rachel Thank- suggested that. <laughs> oh my God. Well, he- Rachel, he did not brief me that that was what you requested. <laughs> that was absolutely an edit note that I jotted down to remove that <laughs> So uh So... No, after, after we threw around some suggestions of, of how best to call Rachel, because I was like, you know, this is... You, you, I, I will explain what she's done in just a moment, but... Uh, yeah, I said, you know, it's, it's up to you how you want to be credited or thanked or, or whatever, and we... We joked about some ideas and that was Rachel's suggestion. And but then said, you know, just just do whatever feels right in the moment. And I have and <laughs> that felt that well, felt I, right to me. I'm glad it felt right. <laughs> so uh Rachel, yeah, is our resident sort of book expert. We, we they're originally they're a massive Hannibal fan, and so when we covered the Hannibal series, said, Look, give me a rundown of the the major differences and then so now for each book-based franchise we've turned to rachel again and yeah rachel hadn't seen the third film but watched the first two as a kid rewatched them and read the book by eb white to provide L- literally more work than we did for this episode <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, interestingly you said about like oh uh, the book i'm presuming don't <laughs> cover all the way the cover of the book is the same scene as the cover of the DVD cover of Call of the Wild. Really? Yeah. Ah, so it's a Jurassic Park 3 situation. Yeah, yeah. So the book uh, material... Is st- I'm not going to explain that for those that don't get the, it. The, the, yeah, <laughs> if you don't get it, you, you, don't, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. So Stuart Little covers largely chapters 1 and 4 to through to 7. Stuart Little 2 is based on chapter 2 and 8 to 11, and Stuart Little 3 is based on chapter 13. This is way more comprehensive than I was expecting. This is, there is like a full page and a half of notes. Rachel said, you don't have to read them all, you can cherry pick. I have not done that. I'm going to sort of uh, edit as I read. So as we talked about, yeah, that's the biological son. The the book says uh, Stuart arrived and it's that's the sort of implication that it's a biological son. Um, mm-hmm. They they notice he's not growing as quickly as George, and the doctor says it's unusual unusual for an American family to have a mouse, implying that there might be other mice children in existence with higher birth rates in other countries. <laughs> uh, in the movie, Stuart is a child, uh, and he's the, he's the younger son. Sort of is the implication. In the book, mm-hmm. he ages rapidly. 
Oh, God. Interestingly. Uh, by in the second half of the book, he's regarded more of an more uh, more as an adult by other adults in the book. This is very depressing. This yeah. is, sounds like it's taking to heart the whole two year lifespan. <laughs> yeah, the main focus isn't Stuart's relationship with George in the book. He George just immediately accepts Stuart, and it's a most uh, it's just a series of adventures. First half in New York City, second half in the countryside, out looking for Margalo and how Stuart navigates the world being two inches tall, looking like a mouse. Being a mouse. In the books, it's flipped. Uh, Mr. Little is the more strict, more worrisome parent. Right. Interestingly. And so the movies went like, now let's stick to traditional gender stereotypes. (laughs) So the boat race in the first film, which we didn't even mention, but it's like, it's the best scene in the film. it's the set piece of the movie. Yeah. Better than <laughs> the anything we got piece. in the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> Which if you want to hear what that's a reference to, you could either go to the movies and watch <laughs> Dial of mm. Destiny, or for slightly cheaper than that, you can subscribe to our Patreon for Film Who Just Follow Ups. <laughs> we would just record an episode about that. The I said after Margalo's coming and, and going, Dr. Carey gives Stuart a model car for him to drive. It's a <laughs> get this, it's not the little red convertible he has it's a little yellow and black convertible which drives like a normal car and uh turns invisible okay this is the can the cat understand the can the humans understand the cat all over again this is like there is too many things you're wanting to do why would the character who is so small he can go undetected need an invisible car eb white Mm. Why would he need that? Well, so the thing is, though, that he tur- he accidentally tur- caused a bunch of havoc the first time he turned it invisible. So he's too scared to do it and doesn't turn it invisible again. I can't believe this. <laughs> this is so stupid. What do you mean the car turns invisible once? Why? <laughs> Why in a book about a mouse boy does it need an invisible car? <laughs> so... Margalo's introduction of the book is through Mrs. Little finding her on the windowsill and helping her warm up. They become quick friends and Stuart has a crush on her right away, like in the movie. Stuart uh, does get- Wait, wait, but in this case, in this case, it's a human that just happens to look exactly like a mouse having mm. a crush on a bird. <laughs> yeah. There's no plane in the books. Uh, Margalo saves him when he gets put on the, the garbage barge. Mm, the barbage. The Falcon's not in the book. He's a movie creation. Oh. Margalo stays with the Littles for a while, but what scares her away is a note that tells her to beware strange cats, which was left by a pigeon who overheard Snowbell conspiring with a friend to let the friend, a female Angora cat, into the house to eat Margalo. Uh, the ring down the drain incident is in the very first chapter, uh, where it actually wow. falls down the drain. It's just an example of Stuart helping out by being mouse-sized, and there's, there's- no snap string or peril or anything. It's just, a, oh, I can get this because I'm small. This is very, what's very interesting about understanding all of this is that it is now adding a layer of like authenticity and lore to these movies, which I assumed had very little thought put into them, Mm. but they're actually like studying the sacred texts in a way, Mm. you know? Rachel has written that like in the films, the littles can all communicate with Stuart and Michael, but I'm genuinely not sure if they can communicate with Snowbell. On one hand, he definitely has a pet status and there isn't any written dialogue, but when Margalo's missing, the family is said to have questioned Snowbell. Snowbell and (laughs) Stuart have a rivalry, (laughs) but without the affection when Stuart thinks he's going to die on the garbage 
Rachel said scow, right? right garbage scow. I've, I've heard of it as a, a garbage barge. I don't know. It's, maybe it's more American term. One of his thoughts is how much he loves uh, his family all, and then in brackets, all but Snowbell. Right. So they don't like each other at all. Mm. Uh, Rachel's written, Stuart Little is way less of a little bitch in the book, a lot more capable of dealing with danger, although he still frequently gets trapped in household appliances. He also carries around a pocket knife. <laughs> George's uh somehow more of a little bitch in the book though generally quite whiny and not particularly smart so on Stuart little three the only thing it really takes from the books is Stuart has a bow and arrow which he uses to save margalo early in this day and paddling in a little canoe the rest <laughs> seems to be invented for the movie so there you go and nice. uh finally the yes yeah, Stuart little doesn't actually find margalo in the book the book's ending is him heading north with a renewed sense of hope and purpose in his search, feeling like he's going in the right direction. But he doesn't actually find her, and there isn't really a resolution. Oh to the my book. god, what the fuck? Yeah. That's insane! Wow, wow. Okay, so thank well, you so much for me... that, uh, Rachel. I, I I love getting your hmm. and the, the, you know this yeah. this one felt personal, which was nice. That, yeah, I mean uh, the, the last couple of women have just been like, "This is based on a book. Do work for me." It's just been like I I I googled what you could have googled. <laughs> so that was, uh, thank you very much, yeah. Rachel, for that. Well, this has given me inspiration for my continue the franchise. Really. Yeah, well, continue the franchise. What is it, AJ? What is the, what is the is, segment? I believe. I believe. Oh, sorry. It's it's where we pitch our own sequels. But first, I believe we talk yeah, about we any talk other about... continuations. Yes. So there is a TV show, a live action TV it's show, a live action TV show. Yeah, animated. Oh, <laughs> well, that's the opposite. It is. It was on. It was on HBO. HBO picked this shit up. <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah. It's the same style as Call of the Wild, right? Yeah. Uh, uh no, no. It's just it's just two D animated. Like normal. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. They came out between two and three, I think. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm shocked. Uh, yeah. The David Kaufman plays Stuart Little, who's plays Marty McFly in the Back to the Future series. Uh, and one of those. Uh, Hugh Laurie plays Mr. Little. He just loves that character. Yeah. He's always going to return to play. And uh, Jeffrey Jones. Returns as Uncle Crenshaw, who's in the first film, but not the other ones. It's just like so. This is the the sex offender from yeah. Ferris Bueller. It's so funny that you would think that un- Uncle Crenshaw is a character that needs his original voice actor back. Yeah, who's only in the first actor. film, not in the second one. Yeah, okay. strange. Okay, so my continue the franchise inspired by Rachel's uh, wonderful work and telling us what the difference is um, between the books and the films is I want to have an authentic remake well you know ad- adaptation of the book of the source mm. material in all its glory and I want it to be a gritty HBO Logan series. style a gritty Logan style send off mm. uh, called Little it's called Little Richard nice. and in the end he doesn't find Margalo just in the book it ends coldly it ends with a sense of hope but the pessimists watching will have a different experience to the optimists watching yes right what have you got i want to do a film set now jonathan lipnicki is 30 something and as he's going about his day he discovers wait a minute my son who lived for two years my my little brother Stuart 
has been there by my side since 1999 and it is discovered that the Littles, Hugh Laurie and Gina Davis, have been replacing Stuart every two years <laughs> with <laughs> a mouse yes! that sounds identical. They're like, and they show the mouse Back to the Future, and they're like, "You have to do an impression of this guy." So it's, Ma- it's mice actually, are not actually like Michael J. Fox like, doing it. It's like yeah, they train yeah, yeah. it each time to sound like Marty McFly. <laughs> yeah, the mice are actually like um, quite hardworking character actors that are just desperate for a gig. <laughs> There's a whole community of them. Yeah. yeah. And so it's yeah, it. Jonathan Licknicky realizing that his parents have been lying to him this, the, the, his entire life, pretty much. We call it Stuart Littles. <laughs> Stuart's Little. But the, but the S is a dollar sign. <laughs> yeah. So now it's time to rank the franchise. A, a little lie. Oh, big little lie. Big little lies. So... Yes. Time to rank that franchise, and it mm-hmm. has been pointed out to me that I did not hit save after we ranked the Karate Kid. So that someone has said Karate Kid wasn't, Almighty Watcher said that Karate Kid wasn't saved on the ranked list at 93. Can you put that in there before ranking Mr. Little? So we Mr. Will, Little. <laughs> so we will put that in there, but. Um, it's and also for those worth playing at noting home, that yeah, there, yep. there are people that are playing at home about ranking, and I know that the Almighty Watcher is one of them, and so potentially this is just what he put as the guess oh, and has right. said. Please save it as ninety three. <laughs> okay, so I've hit save um, this time. Also, for those who are curious, uh, this podcast will have just passed this episode of the podcast will have just passed the duration of Stuart Little Three Call of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, Stuart Little. Oh yeah, well, it, it was just about to reach Stuart Little two levels. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know if we'll hit Stuart Little one. Unfortunately, no, no. That that, that thing's on, a man. bloody monolith. Stuart Little more like Stuart Long. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you think Stuart, is Stuart Little a good franchise? No. Okay. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. It's, I, I think, I think the the sheer, uh dog shit of call of the wild yeah it it drags down any good faith that is built up in the first two i reckon this is a this is below the nymphomaniac is it below the karate kid i think the karate kid's probably better okay is it better than diary of a wimpy kid no is it better than rambo first blood yes okay cool this is number 95 (laughs) <laughs> so only two is that where people kid. thought it was gonna be <laughs> all right and i have hit nice. save this time for those playing okay all right, all right okay right. okay okay well richard there's only one thing we got to do now right yes great what is it we've got to reveal the next franchise yeah so if this is your first time listening to the film franchise fortnights we we decide our next franchise by doing one of two things the thing we're not doing this week is we draw a random number from a franchise list but this is a patreon week which means that if you go over to patreon.com slash every month we let you choose one of the franchises that we cover that month uh for only a dollar people are welcome to suggest and vote on which franchise we're doing next it gets very heated in the discord people have 
like lost friendships (laughs) you know like friendships have broken up because of this uh how heated these debates can get and i hope they will continue to break up um as we traverse into our next franchise richard what has the most votes on so there was a like three or four way tie for a long time today people were debating Mm. long and hard but the winner by one vote is dun 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 <laughs> sorry i hold my breath for too long uh men in black men in black now this is a franchise mm. this is a, this is like what what did you how did you describe Stuart little before like missing from the mouse. catalog oh he's actually human men in black this is so this is four films yeah yes? yeah 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 so Men in Black, Men in Black 2, Men in Black 3, Men in Black International. Yeah, I've never the seen the one. third one, but yeah, interesting. You've never seen the third one? The uh, fourth one, sorry. Ah, oh, right. I was going to say. Well, you're in for a treat. I've also never seen it. I presume it's just as good as Oh, uh, yeah, three. I mean, I have no reason to believe it wouldn't be. <laughs> Um, so tune in next fortnight for Men in Black. Next week, we're going to be doing a meeting of the elders. Mm. So if you've got thoughts on the previous three podcast episodes, um, sign up to the uh, Occult Elders tier on our Patreon and you can t- have your voice heard aloud in an episode. Um, and otherwise, yeah, uh, other reasons to sign up to the Patreon. You get to listen to two extra podcasts a month. You get to tell us what movies to watch. You get to be a part of the post credit scene, which is coming at you after this music ends. And if if you're too poor to sign up to the patreon get a new job just stop being poor <laughs> uh and you, one way to support us though without money is you can follow us on instagram or facebook um at cold pop sorry or twitter i should say we're not on threads yet <laughs> uh or you can join the discord which there is a link to in the show notes i would highly recommend joining the discord if you've been listening for a while because over there you can talk directly to me you can tell me whether or not you think uh, bestiality is wrong because of the biological thing or because of the consent thing i imagine this will take up a lot of the discussion thread for the Stuart little episode to be honest uh and very few people will actually be talking about the movies but them's the breaks thank you so much for listening everybody little hi little ho little good little bye little bye little man little guy that looks like a mouse but is not. <laughs> little guy Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it? This one comes to us from Dylan Hutton who says... Yes! Dylan! <laughs> I like Jack and Daxter and I know you guys do too. Can you do a yes! mini pitch for a J&D movie? Stars, director, what game you'd adapt, etc.? I can tell you right now, Dylan, not mm. sure where you got the idea that I'm a fan of Jack and Dexter. <laughs> I am not. And Dylan, I'm sorry to say I had a, I, so I was very much into Jack and Dexter as a preteen and upon revisiting it as an adult and watching a few like Jack and Dexter focus channels, I had this realization where I was like, I think, I don't think I like the series anymore. So if I'm making a movie, I'm going to call it Jack and Daxter and not just ditch one of the main characters from the title for some reason. Uh, And I'm probably going to base it 
on the first film and not the well, you're gonna base not it on the, the first sequels. film yeah what? on the first game <laughs> the first film ever the the round garden scene <laughs> i'm gonna base on but, the birth of a nation yeah. <laughs> on the the steam train arriving yeah. um but it's going to be like one of those anti-gravity vehicles yeah. Jack and Dexter. Uh, my, yeah my, i mean my experience with jack and dexter is that i i just never played it growing up but the 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 way that i had my consoles just meant that like the those ps2 exclusive i just never uh had the chance to play and then because aj wouldn't sh- fucking shut up about it for years during lockdown i got uh one to three and x on the playstation store and i played through one quite enjoyed it i thought oh yeah like this is actually the midway point between crash and uncharted for naughty dog and then i i think i just like finished the thing but i didn't go back and get all the collectibles and then but age i was like, oh bro like seeking games one of the best games ever made you have to play it and then uh, I played it, fucking hated it. I, I thought it was such an infuriating game. I, I played through a few hours of it, not really liking it, and then there was one level where it was like, because the game fucked up, like, because because of poor game design. Oh, this is classic Jack. I, I was like, bumped back to, you know, our, uh, yeah. like 20 or 30 yeah. minutes of work, yeah. and then was just yeah. like, well, and I can't be bothered doing that again right now, so I have to wait until yeah. I've forgotten how annoying it already was to get to that point. Yeah, and I want to translate, because that's classic Jack and Dexter, I want to translate that into the film adaptation. So an hour and 14 minutes into the film, into this two and a half hour film, it's just going to jump back 15 minutes and you have to (laughs) re-watch. But to to, to answer Dylan's question earnestly, uh, yeah, what what was Star's director, etc.? Okay, Star... Because Tom Holland has said he'd like to do a Jack and nah, Dexter movie. No, it's too it's too obvious to get Tom Holland. We gotta get um, we gotta get uh one of these like Nickelodeon kids. Right. This can be their breakout. Right? Dylan Hutton. Dylan Hutton. And then who would voice? Congratulations. Who would voice uh, Dexter? Okay, there's an expectation to cast like you know I'd almost say Nathan Lane might be a good voice for Dexter because they sound pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I reckon we just like the Uncharted, another Naughty Dog franchise, the Uncharted movie before it. I think we cast Mark Wahlberg mm. as Dexter. Hey, the voice turned into an the voice of Dexter. <laughs> Very good, <laughs> Richard. You do know the series. Um, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I wish there was a Jack and Dexter quote that was iconic enough that I could just yeah. say in a Mark Wahlberg impression. But that game has like those games have like sunk into the recesses of gaming history. Wow, I, feel like. yeah. I don't think. I think the only people that deeply care about Jack and Dexter are the people that deeply care about Jack and Dexter. Yeah. And I think that, and then for director, you get James Mangold to direct it. Don't tie it to any existing cinematic universe and just watch the box office pile up. The box office pile up. Yeah. (laughs) 